up, everybody? Another week of R2C2. My esteemed co-host is uh, not with us this week, um, but that's okay because we have the best possible Let's go. fill-in co-host, the best possible fill-in co-host, maybe at any moment, but certainly at this moment in time, Richard Jefferson is here on R2C2. What's up, man? Oh, no, it's good to be back. It's good to be back, man. I appreciate you having me on as usual. Mm. I feel like I should say like the original author of the active athlete uh, slash uh, media member uh, co-host podcast because <laughs> it, it, it all started with road tripping. Well, you know, what's funny is that like I, you know, for, you know, when you're in the middle of it, you're not paying attention. But now, like as you can see, continue to see media evolve. I get more and more proud of that the further I get away from it, yeah. right? Which is something that a lot of times, like, you know, that's just not the way things work sometimes. When you're in the moment, you're like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, we were the first ones. And it, but it's like the more that you're like, holy shit, like this thing is not, and not because it's like, oh my God, road tripping. It was just more of like, the more that it got out to people, the more people were like, that's a really good idea. Mm. Here's my question to you. Cause there's been a lot of this, like, New media is like the catchphrase right now, right? For, for um, you know, seeing different kinds of, of media and active athletes and whatever. And I'm wondering, Richard, what, like, when you hear that term, what do you think? What do you think, like, what do you think is the, is the, this is so, sort of an, just a broad question that I'm not actually wording totally correctly. But I guess, let me just say what goes through my head and why I'm asking this. Because I think about, like, when I think about what Draymond did during the playoffs and finals, right, with his pod, like, to me, that is incredible stuff. You know, because he was he was unguarded. He's totally diving in, right? And so you actually feel like, wow, like, I'm getting this view that I could only get from Draymond, right? I feel like you have a, a lot of the same characteristics and qualities. Um, when you hosted your pod too, like, Hey, this is, this is the reality. This is what I'm feeling. And also you have a host skill set, which I think Draymond does as well, where you can like pull stuff out of guests and whatever. Right. Um, yeah. and then, but you also have, if you, uh, if you eliminate all old media or if you're not that you also have athletes who maybe they have their own platform, but they're still going to be very guarded or they're not going to want to, you know, or, and it may not even be appropriate for them to dive into their personal stuff. Right. Like it's sort of, as much as I enjoy the et cetera's podcast and I shout it out all the time, it's like, it, it's not, it doesn't feel like a, a credible episode. If Kevin Durant's going on there talking about what's going on, but not able to say anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or it feels like, which I understand by the way, why he couldn't. But then if you're talking about things vaguely, and then two days later you ask for a trade, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah, that's like, doesn't make us feel really inside your world anymore. So what's kind of the balance, Richard? Because there are some things still as an active athlete you have to be careful about, right? Well, and that's why a lot of times, you know, you get on there and you talk about more of your personal life, which is always like whatever you're whatever you're wanting to share, people typically soak it up because they feel like they know you better. And the more that fans feel like they know you and connect with you, um, the you know, let's say your brand, the better off your brand is. Um but it's weird, man. Like, you know, this, the, the more I watch it, first of all, we're all going to make mistakes. I want to say this as a person. Yeah. You remember when I first came into it, I was guns a blazing. Let's see what <laughs> kind of shit I can say. No one's stopping me. 
let's see, you know, whatever. And I've actually dialed it back quite a bit because you realize that like, you know, you, you got to find your sweet spot of having fun, not necessarily pushing boundaries. And I've, I've dialed it more back to like having fun, but that's part of like, you know, training. What I would say to the players, if, because you do have your media training, but the minute you get into like your own personal podcast, your own personal conversations, there's a different type of media training that comes with that. There's a t- different type of media understanding that comes with that. And so, um, I just say continue to, if you're looking at the new versions of the players and where, you know, what Draymond did in the finals was was big. We did our podcast all the way up through to the finals. We recorded during the finals. We just didn't put out during the finals. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so we yeah. did that. Yeah, because it was like one, we were going against Kevin Durant, Steph, Clay. So we were just like, yeah, we got a bit of a task here. Yeah. And we didn't people to feel like we're but we did our podcast all the way through the postseason and so what he was doing it was magnificent um did he play into it a little bit was he being the heel uh that's where him and i get we we actually agree uh we we both enjoy playing the heel uh he just enjoys like trying to start you know or he speaks what's on his mind when he's frustrated or when he's like he's got something to speak where i just like to crack jokes about people and things as it, you know all the yankee fans that are also nick fans also understand <laughs> they definitely do understand that richard um i uh i know it, it's interesting cuz there are there are also insights right that like you you can only get through those through those mediums like even um e- even hearing like when kd was coming back from injury like this past season that episode was fascinating to me, like hearing some of the details of his rehab that you otherwise, you know, wouldn't necessarily have a platform to dive into in that kind of detail, right? Like I'm only getting there. Hearing Draymond talking about breaking down defense is the way he is, right? Um, but because, you know, there's always going to need to be some sort of um, checks and balances, I, I look at it as like there's a huge place for both, right? Like, there's a huge yeah. place for for both uh, sort of kinds of media. I'm very cautious, right? Like that that term, the new media. I, I think sometimes we've gotten into these labels, these just labels, and it's yeah. like, well, what does that? Well, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? And I think I like to focus on more of what it means than what those two words like are, mm. uh, because what it basically means is that you have athletes that are coming into space, entertainers also, athletes and entertainers that are coming into the space with millions of followers on social media. So that basically means, and these are people that want to talk, that want to follow them. So you don't necessarily need like uh, uh, an ESPN, a TNT to get out to your people, to get out to your audience. And then you're like, okay, well, he's got these people that are following him on a daily basis. What else does he have? Well, now he has a show where he is the show, right? podcast this and that everything is is video now so now he's got a show that he is doing so now you have millions of people that you have as a reach you now have another entity as an individual and as a brand of the audio or visual platform and then you go and you have um your deal like for me i work with espn we work for espn for draymond he's working with turner so you're like you got millions of followers on social media 
you have your own audio plat audio visual platform and then you have the big horses the espn so now all of them are promoting each other together yeah. and so that's what i think the new media is is that there's athletes that are coming in that have been media trained that understand that, that are bringing their following, that are doing all of these things. And it creates them a little bit of, I don't want to say leverage, but it, it creates a little bit more of a space for them to be free thinkers. You know, And this is one thing. The reason why I started the podcast is yeah. because many, many years ago, Jerry uh, Madelon, I always mess up his name. I always mess no, up. No, Jerry, Jerry Madelon. Yeah. yeah Jerry. Um, but he was like, hey, Richard, find a way to get more reps. And when I was doing the NBA broadcasting school, shout out at Syracuse, he, he was like, Richard, find ways to get more reps. So it was like, hey, I want to get used to interviewing people. I want to get used to conversations. So I was like, hey, I'll just talk to my teammates. And funny thing is like Harrison Barnes was the first teammate that I ever interviewed because 2012 when I was with the Warriors. So again, Draymond has been there that entire, it was Draymond's rookie year. So I interviewed Harrison. Long story short, my point is this, is that now because I wanted to get reps before I got into the media space. Now all of these athletes inadvertently they're doing this, not understanding that they're getting reps. Yeah. They're yeah. learning how to like people, you'll check your mention The people like, can you stop saying um and ah? And you're like, okay, I can, this is the third time I've seen this tweet. Let yeah. me make sure that I, you know, change, you know, how your cadence is. So it all started with me wanting to get reps. And now I watch athletes getting reps all the time in this space. Yeah, that's a great point. It is about reps and shout out to Jerry, who's one of the all time great talent coaches uh, in the, in the history of, of sports broadcasting and just a great positive dude. Um, so Richard, uh, I, I think we're both in agreement of like, you know, kind of what the synthesis of all this looks like and how there is a space for both of them. And you articulated that much better than I did. And I appreciate that because yeah, it's really, it's really not about some kind of like war between two labels. It's really more about the cohesion that exists between all these amazing forms of media. But, um, I, I said, this is the perfect time to have you. I mean, it's always the perfect time to have you. You're one of my favorite teammates, you know, but yeah. we also are in the midst of, um, <laughs> a, a lot of NBA drama and, uh, NBA drama that is particularly relevant to a team that you and I both cover for Yes. Richard and I are the ESPN and Yes Network guys. Um, and uh, it, involves, uh, it involves the Brooklyn Nets, which um, as of now, no movement on uh, anything happening with Kevin Durant after uh, his reported trade request. But let me just tee you up for this to begin with. If you are the Nets, how are you handling this trade request from Kevin Durant. What are you looking at this situation as? Uh, look, I, I look at these things and it's like, you know, people, for instance, people will be like, oh, you know, this is the, the greatest, you know, blah, 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 to never happen. It's like, you got to understand, it's not just talent, man. It's so many personalities. And that's not about Kevin Durant or Kyrie or James Harden. But it's like you look at, you know, teams in the past, you look at Chris Paul and James Harden, you look at KD, Westbrook and James Harden, you look, sometimes you get ultra talented players together. And for whatever reason, whether it's the chemistry, the dynamic or whatever, it just, it didn't work out the way the fans wanted it, the way the league expected it, the way they wanted it. And so I, I, I think, you know, now that you're there in this space, they're like, okay, you, you got. And I, and I say this as players, but I'm going to call them assets. You have an asset that everybody wants. 
every single person wants. And there are some unique things about this asset, how good it is and, and um, the amount of the length of contract. And so your job now is to go and find the best thing that you can do. And this is the beautiful thing. And where if you're bummed out, here's the silver lining. If you're the Nets fans, you're bummed out because this didn't deliver a championship. It didn't do what you want. But the silver lining is if you do these next two pieces, right. Right. Of trading of Russell. I'm not Russell. If you're trading Kyrie, there's been a lot of talk for him, for Russell. If you're trading Kevin Durant, you can put your franchise in a ridiculously good position for the future. And that's the part that I think, um, is the silver lining. You're not starting over. You're not going back to the pre-Sean Mark days. You're not going back to the no picks and this. No, you could possibly get a young all-star like a Brandon Ingram. You can get multiple other pieces around. You can get, and a lot of it has to do with like a a, a three-team trade. People have talked about DeAndre Aiden, all of these things. All of these things are things that would put you in a position to grow again. Because we remember when Kenny Atkinson you know, took over. And before KD and Kyrie came here, the reason why they wanted to come here was because it was a culture space and it was a space that, um, it was a culture space and it was a space that like they had made themselves attracted to free agents, right? They had made themselves attracted to free agents. So the fact that they were able, that, that they're now in a position to kind of retool and change the franchise versus like, starting over, we lost this guy in free agency, blah, 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 blah. I, I think, you know, it sucks. It's part of the business. Uh, but I think the Nets can still, you know, you know, come out in a in looking strong in this if they do it right. Well, that's Richard. I feel like they have to do it right. Right. Like this is your chance. So you be, for me, I'm looking at it like you have two options. One is get everything you want exactly as you want it. Or two, you show up with Kevin Durant still on your team. He's under contract for four years. And I don't know what kind of conversations would have to be had to get him to, you know, buy back in. But the irony of is Richard, I'm looking at that roster and especially adding TJ Warren, adding Royce O'Neal, you know, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, uh, you know, Claxton, Joe Harris coming back from injury around Simmons, Kyrie and KD. And look, this has been the theoretical roster for years. So, you know, who the heck knows, but it's not like, it's not like you're looking at that team and you're saying, well, I can't win here. Like clearly if everybody played up to their ability, that's a team that could win a title. So it's really more about how, you know, things just, um, you know, ended up uh, just sort of crumbling, but if I'm the Nets, like I'm also look, <laughs> the, like I understand that you're you're also going to try and do this with as little acrimony as possible, and it is an opportunity that, like you said, Richard, could still be great for your franchise, but you owe nothing to anyone other than your organization and putting it in a position to win. And if that ends up being still keeping Kevin Durant, you have to be willing to go that route because KD loves the game, man. And there's just, this guy is not going to sit out or dog it on the floor. Like, I just can't see that from Kevin Durant, who pours his heart and soul into his play on the floor every time he touches it. Okay. Um, so I agree there, there's, there's some aspects I agree. And I, I think there's some aspects that we should clarify this on. Yeah. 
One, yes. Kevin Durant is under contract, right? Kevin Durant is under contract. That's, and the length of the contract is something that makes him even more of a valuable player. I say asset because it's something that's tradable, right? So that makes him very sought after. I think the other thing is that every team in the league wants him. So like you have to go, you're going to get the best offer. The minute he shows up on uh, with the Nets, if he's requested a trade, in my opinion, the value goes down. The value goes down because now teams are like, well, this is what we have and we're going to move on and we're this. So right now is the best time to maximize. So you this. think they're getting more for him now than if they, than if he comes to, to training camp. Yeah, because it eventually, and this is where a player, you know, if he doesn't want to be there and he's not a hundred percent locked in, he doesn't perform well. He did your player. You, you, you perform as a professional, but you don't perform well right? Not to your best of your capabilities. So I think you want to try and avoid that. And I think sometimes, and this is just my opinion, and you know, we love each other, right? Yeah. When people are saying that, oh, well, you know, he signed a contract, you should make him show up. And it's like, that. There, there's thoughts of that, but it's also, it, it's understand this, the owners and teams, like when they deliver a contract, there have been certain promises. For instance, Blake Griffin, he resigned with he resigned with the LA Clippers, and they do this whole like your jersey's going to hang in the Raptors. We want you started here. We want to end your career here. We want to do all of these things. Blah, blah blah. Signs a contract, and then it's traded that that spring. So now, how is it that now now how is it that mm-hmm. for Blake Griffin for Blake Griffin? He's like, wait a second. I got drafted by here. I won rookie of the year here. I've been all NBA here. I helped make the Clippers a relevant organization. And right after I signed my deal and I've been here for nine, 10 years, you guys want to trade me. Right. And so people look at it from that space and you're like, oh, well, you know, that's just business. And it's like, well, wait, I was told that I was going to end my career here and I was going to have my jersey in the Raptors. So that's not a case, but no one shits on the team for that. They just call it business. But if a player signs a contract and then the the situation around them in the organization is not as such as something that either they were promised, discussed, talked about, or even enjoy and want to be there, it's like make them stay there and play. You know You're right. We, You're... we cannot we cannot have it both ways. So yeah. this is where I say, like from a player's that's been in it who is now in the media. I don't think players should just be willy-nilly, I want out of here, I want out of here, I want out of here. Agreed. I don't think that that is the right solution. But we can't look at the solution and say, you're under contract, you're making a lot of money, you got to go play. That is the exact opposite of the way we should do it and let me say the last thing i had a chance to when we were on espn doing the free agency special everyone's looking at these player contracts talking about how crazy they are well this is the problem 450 players are splitting the pie down the middle with 40 owners so if you're like man Jokic got 276 million well if you're looking at 50 pie 50 of the pie you know the Cronky family just got 250 million from the TV deal and from the Nike deal and from all of these other things. So the league is making so much money, but a lot of times we focus just on the players. That's why these franchises are being bought for 700 million, 
you know, and now they're worth three billion, right? Because the value of these things go up. So before we start focusing on how much money the players are making, understand that there's also the the behind the curtain, the owners are making a boatload of money. So we have to take the money somewhat out of it, outside of obviously public perception and say like, hey, what is best for the organization? What is best for this individual player? Because if you hold players hostage and you do that one too many times, players will not want to sign in free agent. Oh, I to- totally agree. And and to clarify my position on this, because I agree with you, Richard, from what you're saying, like you can't have the double standard of like, hey, I'm fine with a team, you know, dealing somebody who's under contract, whatever, after those verbal promises and making them feel it's going to be a certain way. But I have a problem with the player going to them and saying, like, look, I don't think this is working. It's time to go. I actually don't I I, I don't love it for Kevin Durant's legacy that he would try and hop to another, you know, top seed in a conference. I don't think that's the best way to play out his legacy, but maybe that doesn't matter to him. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think it's going to help anything in the conversations when it comes to the annals of basketball history, but that may not be a priority for him. So if he really just wants a different experience, while I may be like, dude, that's like not going to help you in the way people look at you. I don't begrudge him. I don't begrudge him for that. However, what I would say is I'm saying if I'm the Nets, I feel no obligation to do it unless I get what I want because of him being under contract, right? So what I'm saying is I can't, I I, I can look for deals like, hey, Kevin, hey, Rich, like I'm happy to try and like work this out. But let me just tell you, you're Kevin Durant. I can't sell you for 60 cents on the dollar in a trade, right? Like I can't. I can't do that kind of deal. Like I understand I'm never going to get equal value for you because you are, you know, you're a one of one talent, you know, and let me tell you, watching Kevin Durant every single day over the you know last two seasons while he while he was, you know, healthy for the Nets, like as much as I already appreciated his greatness, I appreciate it even more because that yeah. dude pours his soul into the game every night he steps on the floor. But I would just be like, look, I to me, I don't think it's I don't think it's infringing upon goodwill to say, I'm going to try and get this done for you, but understand we can only do this if we get X, Y, and Z, because otherwise our franchise is kaput. If the Nets make this deal for a couple of role players and, you know, four first round picks and three swaps, that is a, like, like that's a, that could be a franchise, you know, cascading move. You, you have got to make sure you walk away from this with, a prime level talent that you believe you can build your next, you know, contending team from, Agreed. you know, Agreed. But, but, but Ryan, 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 what happens if those offers don't come in? Then I think you tell Kevin, I tried I look, look, we tried, but there's nothing there. I'm sorry. There's oh, nothing okay. there. That, that, that's yeah. fair. But now you have a person who says they do not want to be there. The team is saying that, Hey, look, we will respect this. So what, and again, I, I'm not taking sides. We're just having this conversation. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like, an interesting conversation yeah, to play yeah, it out. Yeah, because yeah. if, if he doesn't want to do that, and again, this is this is the red button. This is worst case scenario. At what point in time does he take it to another level of like, I do not want to be here. I, I do know. not want to be here. I'll yeah. take the fine. I'm Kevin Durant. I've made 300 and $400 million in my career. You want to find me some money? 
okay, I'll take the fine. But ultimately, like a player, if you if you're if if you're saying that you're willing to get a divorce, but the person that you're willing to get a divorce from says, okay, I'll divorce you, but I have to make sure that I get a good girlfriend first. When I find a good girlfriend, then I will let you get a divorce. And it's like, no, if this is either going to be uh, an amicable divorce, and you can you have some leverage because the, this is the thing, the Nets, every team has almost made half the teams have made calls for Kevin Durant, half right. the teams. So if half the teams have come together, then the market value is high. That means it's your job to go get the best deal right now. Not saying that we want more, we're going to wait six more months. Yeah. That is that is where you got to be careful if you're the team, because now you got Kevin Durant showing up. He doesn't want to be there. The fans know he doesn't want to be there. And now you're p- almost putting the player in a, in, in a tough spot after you guys have come together and agreed to do something. You've agreed to make a trade. You've agreed for his people to to go out there and search for this stuff. And now you're in a position where you're like, well, we couldn't find anything. So we just come back and play. And it's like, when does that stop? The next year? What if it goes through the whole season and they lose in the first round? And you're just like, well, until we find something like that. And that's I know that this is extremist, yeah. but it's still it's still he, like, hey, we've got to handle it. He's though, like if it was Kyrie. Like, you don't know what that dude's going to do. Like, he, I mean, he he is not somebody who you can, like, he will, he'll, he'll retire before he'll do something he doesn't want to do. We kind of saw that this past year, right? Like, it, with KD, like, I have to, like, I just, I can't see that dude wasting a year of his prime. I just can't see it. But that's, he, but that's like threatening him. Not like threatening no. him to a certain degree. Not, not, you're not, let me phrase it. It's not threatening them but that's like hedging a bet. He's yeah, not but as an organization, their loyalty isn't their 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 loyalty isn't to Kevin Durant's happiness before the organization doing what's best for it. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. Like Agreed. it's Agreed. right. It's like hey, we're going to try and make you happy. We don't want to screw you over, but we're also not going to napalm the organization to make you happy. So Agreed. that's kind of the balance that I think they have to walk right now. Now, if it got to that point, Richard, where there were no offers that they found appetizing, like, or acceptable, I think then you'd have to circle back, have more conversations in Kevin with Kevin and say like, Hey, I know we're in a bad place. Can we just talk and see if there's anything we can do to salvage this? Because, because you don't want him well, to your point. You also don't want him coming in, miserable right like or not wanting to be there because then he's not going to have the whole buy-in i mean it's a weird spot to be in i also like granted i had a personal investment in kevin durant being with the nets right i've I've very much enjoyed getting to watch him play with them and and it's great for us yes but i really thought it was a great legacy play going to a franchise where it was kind of like could be your own right and like let me go let me go takes even the, even building the fan base, you know, all of that. Right. And, uh, I really thought it was a, it was a great play from that perspective that I was like, Oh, and I thought it was only going to further help the way those warriors titles were looked at. If he won one in Brooklyn, right? Like if he could somehow navigate to one, not the exact same thing, but somewhat similar to LeBron with, Cleveland, right? right? Like, and then the way you look at the Miami titles, although I, I don't even think that's fair to LeBron, but you understand what I'm saying? Cause LeBron wasn't joining a team that had just won 73 games. It's different, but the same sort of thing. Right. Um, but him going like, 
I maybe he just doesn't care. Like I know everyone always says he just wants to play like, you know, you know, a me, basketball make- beautiful <laughs> rhythm, but like dude, can you if he goes to the Suns and they win a title, like is anyone, you know, what are yeah. if he just like, again, we we can't hold people to a standard that they don't hold themselves. You're right. right. You're right. So, and I'm and I'm not saying that we need to hold Kevin Durant accountable, but if he doesn't give a shit about that and he just wants to go play basketball, and he doesn't care where and all this other stuff, then like that, that's his journey. That's his journey. If he's like, you know what? Every three years, I want to go to a different team and see if I can help them win a championship. If that's the journey that I want to be on. Well, nobody's ever done that. Kobe played for one team. So-and-so played for one. It's like, that's their journey. Kobe also asked at requested a trade. He literally requested a trade. They were close to trading him to Chicago, but they, but, after Kobe saw everything that they were going to have to give up from Chicago, he would basically be going there and playing with, with very, very little. So we can't sit up here and make it seem that Kobe Bryant in his 20 years in a Laker uniform was perfect. No, no. But that's what I'm saying. He literally asked for a trade. And then when it didn't go through, now everyone's like, look at Kobe. He stayed with one franchise. He was different. And it's like, guys, everything has a certain bit of situational um, real life to it. And when I look at Kevin Durant, if that's what he wants to do, then that's what he wants to do. And that is his journey. But I, I don't know. I, I, I look at it as like, my thing is this, let's say this, we'll play a hypothetical game. I have yeah. absolutely no truth. I don't know Kevin Durant. I don't, you know, Kyrie and I, you know, I, I haven't really spoken to him in a while. What if this wasn't his first place? What if this wasn't his first choice? What if Brooklyn wasn't his first choice? Maybe if it was his second choice, but then he knew that he needed to team up with Kyrie. And this was Kyrie's first choice and Kyrie convinced him to come here. And it was like, hey, we're going to have all the things. We're going to, they're going to take care of us. We're going to have input in the players that we play with. And they're like, okay, that sounds good. I'll come here. Now Kyrie's gone. Now, before we go, why are you hitching your wagon to Kyrie? And all blah, 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 blah. Let's just keep it on the tracks. What if this wasn't his first choice? And then him and Kyrie, that was the idea. Now, Kyrie is on his way out. He opted in, but Kyrie's on his way out. And now Kevin Durant is like, this isn't even real at where I wanted to be. I came here because I wanted to play basketball with someone. And for whatever reason, Kyrie in that situation blew up with the Nets for all the reasons that everyone knew. So then you left Kevin Durant somewhat holding the bag of like, well, now I have to worry about my legacy because, you know, Kyrie and the Nets aren't getting along and this isn't really where I wanted to be in the first place. I was here because of my boy. So now what do I do? So now what do I do? And so like, that's the way I'm thinking about it is that I looked at this as more of like a, of a, they came together. It didn't work out with Kyrie. And now Kevin's in a place where like, Hey, this isn't really, I want to play basketball. And I felt like this was a good situation that for all the reasons that you mentioned, I can come to a franchise, I can have an impact, I can do all of this stuff. And like, cool, this is, this could be my space. That didn't work out with the people next to me. And so now I'm stuck here. It's like, I'd rather go play basketball with people that I fuck with than to like build my legacy with a franchise that doesn't, that hadn't won a championship. Right. He And here would be the counter, which is, I think a a strong one from, you know, from a a net fan looking at this will be, yeah, dude, but you're the one who like went to bat for Kyrie, this dude who has, you know, caused crazy destruction to the franchise at this point. You're the one 
who pushed for the James Harden trade and then couldn't keep it together with Kyrie. You know, you obviously had some kind of role in what happened with the head coach, right? Like prior with Kenny Atkinson, like, and now that there's some adversity, you are like, oh, I'm just going to lay waste and run. And honestly, I get why they would feel that way. I understand Kevin Durant looking around saying like, well, if Kyrie's not like, this isn't the place before, but it's also like, but you and Howard Beck, actually, I thought wrote a great column about this on SI kind of in the sense of like, you know, if, if Kevin is really upset, about how acrimonious it's become with Kyrie. And that's one of his two reasons for wanting to leave. Right. And then the other is because of what a mess last year was, but you're not connecting the dots that the reason last year was such a mess is because of Kyrie, you know, like, and so it, it, there's not really a through line of logic here or rationale. It's sort of like making one decision, then making another, then making another, and just kind of reacting without taking responsibility for any of it. Well, you can take responsibility, but that doesn't change the fact that he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Right. You're right. It, yeah. That's what I'm saying. You can take all the responsibility. And, and that's the part is that like, yo, like somebody was like, oh, this, see, this is what happens when you let players run a franchise or when you let players have an input. It's like, this is the 75th year of the NBA. Do you know how many head coaches have done shitty jobs? Do you know how many presidents have done shitty jobs? Do you know how many GMs have done shitty jobs? Do you know how many shitty jobs have been done in the league? Like when you think about how many things have been done, how many things have been done and done poorly, it's like, oh, the Nets trade and oh, this trade and all these things that happened. That wasn't done by players, but people quickly want to point to the players. Right. And say, oh, well, these guys and this is why you don't do that. And I'm like, that to me bothers me a little bit because it's all about who you give that that free freedom reign to LeBron James. Like he has had input in the players that he plays with. LeBron James has won four championships and won four finals MVPs. Tim Duncan, I know I've seen him and Pop go back and have conversations during the trade deadline, probably about getting my ass out of there sooner. But like (laughs) these, these are the things that they have. Tim Duncan's won five championships. Now, some people might be more out in the front with it, like when Kyrie's saying, like, oh, it's up to me and Josiah and, and, and Sean to, you know, and Kevin to sit and talk about the direction of the franchise. Some players are a little bit different. Yes, you have to be careful who you allow to have that type of space inside your franchise. Not should you allow the players that are the greatest minds, the greatest basketball athletes, to say, hey, I think this guy is good. I've worked with this guy. I've spent time with this guy. This guy is a very, very, I've competed against this guy versus somebody's on the outside just being like, I think these things would fit great. And it's like, no. But mm-hmm. um, I just think, I think people have to look at this situation in a very, I'm I'm a move on. I'm a move on person versus yeah. to like, hold on. Kyrie You're a move on I, versus a hold on. Oh, 100%. About that, yeah, I like. Are, yeah, you like that? I need a shirt, man. <laughs> I I agree. Can I? Can I? This is. I have no knowledge behind this. Let me be clear, because because of my 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 role, people are going to think this comes with knowledge, and I swear it does not. This is so. I probably shouldn't even say it, but whatever. This is like just a theory I've thought in my head, Richard. And you tell me if you think that this could be plausible. Okay. Like, because people have wondered, okay, why does Kevin want to move on, right? Because if you just look at the roster right now, knowing Kyrie is back. Yeah, the roster's good. Knowing Kyrie's back for this year, opting in. Like, if you wanted to, you could run it back, say, hey, let's make one more run at it. 
see how it goes. And you you have a shot, right? If 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 Ben is healthy, you have a shot with that team to to win. Um, and and honestly, to your point about the Kobe comparison, depending on what the team that Kevin goes to is giving up, that roster may be weaker than the one he's currently on by the time he gets there, right? Um, so you know, so maybe there are just unsalvageable things at play that he feels like he can't be here anymore. That could very well be true. But what if it's this, Richard? What if he doesn't want to play with Kyrie anymore? Everybody has assumed that he's one of the reasons he wants to leave is because he's so upset at the way these negotiations have been handled. But what, what if the real reason he wants to move on is because he wants to separate from this guy, but doesn't want to be the bad guy, doesn't want the friendship to be you know, in question, but just knows this guy isn't right for him and doesn't see a path to staying that doesn't include Kyrie for one of a couple reasons. One, maybe because it'd be too weird to like not have Kyrie there when he's the guy who brought you or two, because if you're shipping Kyrie out, it, you're, you're selling so low on his ability that what you're getting back is not going to be enough to make you a championship team. And thus you wouldn't want to be there anyway. What if that's why he wants out, Richard? What if it's actually because he doesn't want to play with Kyrie anymore, but he can't say that because he doesn't want to hurt the friendship or hurt feelings? Like, to me, with this, I have no insider knowledge on that whatsoever, zero. But to me, that would make more sense to me than looking at what is on the roster right now and saying, yeah, like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. That would make more sense to me. Because to me, I look at the roster and I say, that's a team that can compete. I agree. Look, look, maybe he doesn't, especially when you look at, you know, long-term, whatever. Now, if Kyrie would have signed a long-term deal with the Nets, that would have been the real, like, that, yes. would, have been the, that would have been the very, it's like when he opted in, that's when KD said he wanted out. But again, I think these conversations typically started long before we knew uh, about them. Um, and, you know, look, this is a really interesting situation. And I think we can talk about all the reasons why, but I'd rather focus on the where. Like, where are they going to be? Where are they going to how is the league going to shift if he goes to the Western, if he goes to the Western Conference, what that does to the Western Conference, if he stays in the Eastern Conference, what that does, you know, so I think it's complicated. Richard, I agree. Uh, the I, I'm, I'm curious about um, the focus on this. How about this? Just a prediction from you. When do you think this ends up getting resolved? Do you have any feel for that? I, I think this is going to be a three, maybe four team trade. Right. And when you have that amount going on, I think it could take days, if you know, if not a couple of weeks, um, you know, summer league could actually impact it. If a, if a guy gets drafted eighth and goes out and looks outstanding in summer league and now all of a sudden he could play himself into the deal. Right. It's like, well, man, you know, we thought he was, you know, say, so I think there's a lot of things that can happen. You're talking about a lot of picks, a lot of trades. I know the Nets want. Uh, under 25, 26 year old stud. And if that can mean a top three pick that they, that was just drafted, that can mean a, a guy like a, a Brandon Ingram or somebody that that's a young all Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes, there, there was that conversation. And so, you know, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of things and there's going to be a lot of people sweating when these type of things kind of come up. I think the thing I would look at is if I could get Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, three firsts and three swaps. That would be the deal where, and if you're Toronto, you still have enough there to be a yeah, championship still got, contender. 
still got Van Fleet. You still yep. got you still got a lot of, like those three guys. You got a you got a number one. You got a one B who's already proven he can be a great one B next to Kawhi, and then you got a great point guard in Van Vliet. I think I think that's if I'm looking at one team where I think the Nets could still feel good about the Hall. That would be it. They'd have no one to score. But I, you know what, Richard? Maybe they just come back. Maybe they all they all oh, get together. Stop it, stop they come back, and it's wonderful. Stop and it's wonderful. Dangerous. All right, stop man. Dangerous. Thanks for talking through this with me. Thanks for sitting in for CC. Appreciate you, man. You guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Bonus episodes as well. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page, R2C2, on all social channels as well. And we'll talk to you next week with CC back. Richard, you're the man. Thank you, dude. Appreciate you, Ryan.